Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester, arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Worcester Cultural Watch. My name is Craig S. Seaman. Jimmy D'Angelo, one of the city's greatest rock and roll institutions, who has been in as many beloved bands as Worcester has hills, went on to the great gig in the sky this weekend. He was 65. Besides being Worcester's answer to Eddie Van Halen, Jimmy D'Angelo was a legendary guitar virtuoso in his own right. And despite a few missed opportunities, included being courted by Atlantic Records and being personally asked by Steven Tyler to join an up-and-coming band called Aerosmith and refusing because he wanted to play a few more years with his older brother Joe instead, Jimmy D'Angelo still played like an enthusiastic teenager, into the very end. In the studio today is Jimmy's older brother, Joe, who is a great guitarist and musical institution in his own right. Joe uh, D'Angelo is, is the guitar consultant for the Worcester Fine Arts Music Magnet Program at Bernco Middle and High School, which is actually the same school Joe and uh, uh, Jimmy uh, attended, and myself. Not the same years. He is also the guitarist for Dale LePage, the Russo brother jazz quintet, damn chick singer. He also teaches jazz guitar at Clark University, the joy of music, and Clemente music. Joe, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Chris. Joe, first off, my heart and my prayers go out to you and your family. I, you know, I, I thought the world of you, and I think the world of you, and I thought the world of Jimmy. Thank you, Craig. Now, and I know this is a tough time, especially for you. When you and Jimmy were growing up in your family home on Walwickus Road, off of Burncoat Street, at first you didn't really care about music. You cared about, you two cared about playing baseball. And you two, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong on Anus, you two played in grammar school and Little League, Babe Ruth. Uh, first off, were you guys any good at playing baseball? Well, Jimmy was a little better than me. I, I played for my school, uh, which was Adams Square School. Oh, okay. Prior to uh, Weakest Road. Uh, right. The Expressway. To <laughs> and I, I played on the school team. Jimmy did as well, but he also played in Little League. He was a better player than me. Oh, really? Yeah. And Jimmy once told me that he always wanted to, in that time period, and you guys are two years apart. Correct. Uh, Jimmy once told me that he always wanted to be Mickey Mantle or Roger Maris or Ted Williams back then. They, those were his idols. Yeah. Was that the same case with you? Mm, not quite as much. Okay, but you did like the game. I did, yeah, I, I, I played it. I mean, this is a period when kids, that's what kids did. Yeah. I mean, I grew up off of Clark Street, yeah. St. Nicholas Avenue, and... I, I don't know if you had the same kind of neighborhood I had. There was a lot of boys around the same age, like yep. probably from like 8 to 15. Yep. And it was pretty much 10 or 12 kids playing baseball yep. during the summer, football. Yep. And 
not so much basketball for us, but uh, and sometimes uh, street hockey. Yep. Now, February 9th, 1964, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. I believe that changed everything for you and Jimmy? Yeah, well, let's see. Uh, backing up a little bit. Yeah, please. My, my uh, cousin Ralph Caputo, who lived upstairs from us, uh, <clears throat> his mom and my mom were sisters, so both, both families inhabited that same house, <clears throat> the last house on Wawikas Road. Anyway, my cousin Ralph uh, was taking guitar lessons downtown with Peter Clemente, senior. And... Uh, he wanted me to accompany him so he wouldn't have to go downtown. Oh, really? And he was going <laughs> to kick my butt if I didn't do it. And anyway, my mother bought me this guitar, and so now I had Ralph who was going to kill me and the guilt that my mother bought me this guitar. So I started taking lessons, and I, and I was a reluctant uh, participant, you know. Uh, and I, I remember I'd be at a... I, I had a... My uh, baseball coach, Eddie Bates, this guy was like really gung-ho. We, we, we practiced on Saturdays, and on Saturdays uh, we'd, we'd be at practice, and my cousin Ralph would come up to the field and he'd yell, Joe, it's time for guitar lessons. And I'd go, oh, man. I, and I'd walk away, and all the kids on the team would be going, oh, there goes Elvis, and stuff like that. <laughs> I hated it. You know? It was terrible. But I, I, I did it enough so that when... When the inspiration did arrive, I kind of had a f- few things, you know, under my fingers. Okay, you had the basics now. Yeah, and that and uh, that inspiration was the, as you said before, the Beatles. Okay, so before the the legendary telecast, you reluctantly played the guitar. I you did. were learning the basics, and that and I know I've taken guitar. I was never as good as either you or Jimmy. Although I do have a Gibson SG solid mahogany body guitar, which is beautiful. Too bad I can't play it well. I can make noise with it. And and the, the early stuff on the guitar isn't fun. It isn't fun. I mean, it's like it maybe can play like a roll your boat ashore and bitsy bitsy spider. Yeah, and and and, you just, and and if you do, I mean, I wish I paid more attention to it. It's like typing. You gotta you gotta know the basics yep. before you can uh, start doing yep. chord progressions and stuff. But then the Beatles come on. So what was your reaction when you? Uh, do you remember that night? That night? Yeah, when you watched the Beatles. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, take me back there. Were you in your living room? Were you with your family? Yeah. We, yep. With the family, and uh, you know, my parents are going, Oh, their hair's weird, and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, and we were going, Wow, you know, and uh, you know, every, everybody was talking about the Beatles, you know, the yeah, invasion, so. and uh, but Jimmy had also been playing prior to that because I was he actually took a couple of lessons from Pete as well, but his hands were too small, weren't they? Uh, he, at that time, he because he was still young, that into, he was more into the baseball, yeah, so kind of. Went back and forth a little bit. You know. But then when the uh, Beatles hit, that was... Yeah, then then things started, you know, hitting the fan. <laughs> yeah, so to speak. Now, uh, now, who was your favorite uh, Beatle, and who was Jimmy's favorite Beatle? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Did that, you that's, know. that's like asking me, which cat is my favorite? Which cat is your favorite? <laughs> do, you have, do you have a lot of cats? <laughs> I, I have four. Four yeah, cats? Four, yeah. Which is kind of a low number I've had. Oh my God! Nine, ten. You're not crazy cat lady, are you? In disguise. <laughs> kind of a crazy cat guy. Well, know. four and uh, cats are, of course, George, Paul, George, and Ringo. <laughs> now, what, what's the name of your cats? My cats are Ranger. Oh. Belafonte. Uh, Bubby, and Sherry. 
Oh. And uh, Belafonte is Italian. Cool. He's an Italian cat. Yeah, Italian cat. No, seriously. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I buy that. Well, you know how I know? How do you know that? Well, <laughs> a couple of years ago, it was uh, it was Christmas, and I said, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, Ranger, and he went meow. Yeah. And uh, I said, uh, I was talking to another cat I had at the time, Chichi. I said, Chichi, girl, Merry Christmas, and she went meow. You know? I said, Bubby, meow. You know, Sherry, girl, meow. <clears throat> and then I said, uh, Bella, uh, I mean, I, I said Merry Christmas to them. Right. They answered, they right. responded, meow. And then I said, uh, Bella, Merry Christmas, and nothing. And uh, I said, Bella, Merry Christmas, baby. No, no response. And now he's kind of getting a little right. perturbed. I said, Bella Fonte D'Angelo, Merry Christmas, nothing. So now all this stuff's going through my mind, like, Oh, maybe he doesn't really want to be here. You know, <laughs> you know, maybe he's sick. And I'm like, going to have to call the vet and all this. And then it just hit me. I had an epiphany. And then I said, Belafonte D'Angelo, Bon Natal. And he went, meow. <laughs> what what uh, more do you need? Oh, I love that. That's you know? that's wonderful. So, anyway. that's, that's a price omission for this already. That's great. But uh, getting back to the Beatles, we'll yeah. pick up. Well, John was the, I thought, the uh, social commenter. So yeah. John, and he was the one who was analyzing the political right. life of the time. And Paul was the kind of the uh, the sweet music guy. He, right. He knew all the cool chords yeah. and stuff like that, you know. And uh, and George was, you know, laying, <clears throat> laying the stuff down on top just, just perfectly enough for what they were doing, you know what I mean? It was just, it was very artistic. And then Ringo was just uh, yeah. laying it down, man. You, know, <laughs> you had four guys with talent, personalities, and they all could sing. Yes. Three of them could write, uh, which we never saw. And, uh, and, and you're a guitarist, obviously. Yeah. You know your stuff. George Harrison, most underrated guitarist in rock and roll? I don't think he gets as much credit as he should as a guitarist. Because those um, those riffs and those licks, I mean, they might be. I mean, he did them first. I mean, yeah, and, uh, and they were perfect for and, the songs. And, I, and I, uh, I still, you know, all the licks that he played. Yeah, I remember them all. Yeah, you know, they're they're all imprinted in my psyche yeah. somewhere. I and I don't get that from a lot of other guitarists. No, but I don't know. I can't really. Be no, I, but I mean, not saying. I mean, there's a lot of great guitarists yeah. out there, and a lot of them get their credit, but. Yeah. When you see a list, George was never really high on the list, and it's like a lot of great riffs there. Yeah, and you know these these guys started, you know, like I mean, before them, there was girls singing, and they'd yeah. hire guys to write songs for him, and then hire some other guys right. to play for him. These guys, they had the whole package. They were doing everything, and they were kids. Yeah, and and actually, speaking about kids, you and Jimmy were kids when you guys started the Joneses. Uh, I I actually started the Joneses. Uh, I, well, I was in I was in a band prior to that called the Bad Manners. With, oh, with one of your old Steve. No, uh, Tom Coletta, who used to work. Here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Tom and I. Tom Tom Coletta, former Telegramming Gazette. And yep, and oh. a gentleman uh, named uh, Tony Arisaleo, and uh, another gentleman Ben Perry, who's now deceased. Oh. We, we had a band called the Bad Manners. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, and my brother Jimmy was in a band called The End. 
That might have been the one with Steve Lenava in it. Uh, or Steve Steve did something with Josh Evans. Okay. And Billy Evans and John Woody and okay. John Salaparetto were in that band. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, uh the bad man is uh came to its uh you know, came to its demise and then I started I met Robbie Zaccaro and right. started the Joneses and the, and it was it was me, Robbie, uh Marty Norris and a guitarist named Arthur Sparrow. Wow. And then uh and Arthur left after before we even got off the ground, and then I coaxed my brother Jimmy to come really? play with me. And I'm and I'm <clears throat> uh, George Evans and Billy uh, Jimmy Evans and uh, John William and John Salaper. And I'm so sorry that I uh, took Jim, <clears throat> that I took Jimmy away from you guys. Wow. Um, the attention anything? No. I'm good. So anyway, Jimmy came with us, and that was that was the Joneses. That was the start of it. And the Joneses were a big deal. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I I, yeah. I know you guys are yeah. modest, I, yeah. but but they they were a hot ticket around here. Yeah, yeah. And and how was it playing? I mean, that, so that was the first man, and you played with your brother. How was it playing with your brother? Great. Oh, oh, oh great. Yeah. And you guys were, I mean. I mean, we know of the you know the Davies from the Kinks, and we we've yeah. had some notorious brothers and bands. You guys, I know you guys love each other. Yeah. That did you always get along? Uh, yeah, in the early for the most part. I mean, we we developed differences later on. In yeah. Life, but uh, but for most of the uh, you know early days, it was yeah, it was yeah. great. And Jimmy would write these great songs, and and I'd figure out you know what to how to compliment them. Right. And I wrote a few myself, you know. And we, I, I, I could, I, I knew a little bit, a bit more, so I could always work out the harmonies and stuff like that. You know, what I mean, so that was kind of my job. And also, in those days, to copyright material, you had to oh. notate it out in music. Oh, really? Which is not like today. You can record it. You can send a recording oh, file or whatever it is. Today. Okay. Back then, you had to write it out, and I was the only one that really knew how to. Okay, do because that. you had that knowledge, yeah, exactly. and Jimmy was more of a seat on a seat. Seat of his pants type of. I, I he guess, he knew yeah. what he he knew what he knew, but he yeah. didn't. You were more technical because you yeah. studied it more. Yeah. And how did your guitar styles differ? Uh, well, Jimmy was uh, more melodic as he was, you know. Up, yeah. I mean, even when I go see when I whenever I go see Jimmy, you know, he's always got another great guitarist in his band, and, it, it's, and you know, they're always. Now lately, it's been Johnny. Uh, yeah, Johnny Sable. Yeah, and you know he's a great guitar. And prior to him, there was a few guys, and they were all always great. But when Jimmy played, it was just there was yeah. something else, you know. It was a, the 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 presence, yeah, and the the melody. Was just, and you know, I, I I won't ask you this question because you, I know you won't give me an answer. Who's the better guitarist? Or you probably say your brother. Me and Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy. Oh, really? I mean, I know you guys are both different guitarists. Yeah, well, you, I, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, authenticity. Jimmy, okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can, I can fake a little of it. I can fake a little country, <laughs> fake a little jazz, uh. and fake a little you know, funk. Uh, now, during this period, uh, you're, and if I'm wrong on anything, correct me, your parents, Fred and Gene, God, God bless them both, were among your biggest fans. Yeah. And your dad was actually your manager in the right. early days. Yeah. 
And actually, in the early days, you needed a manager because you were getting bookings. You were doing well. Yeah, and we were too young to actually be in some yeah. clubs like without a parent. Oh, oh, yeah. so you were playing clubs that uh, I, I don't know what the drinking age would have been back then, but you, yeah, uh, I don't know if it was we eighteen were, or twenty-one we were, or, or we were below it. I mean, you were teenagers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was, so the whole thing became a family affair. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you guys had, and and legendary festivities on week while well, week is round. Not 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 hippie parties, but just fun times where the whole family yeah. was involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, my mother was running the yeah. parties. So she, good food and all. Well, <laughs> good she, had, she, she had this. She had this knack uh, of making pizza. Oh. And, uh, Vast quantities, <laughs> rather inexpensive because they weren't really wealthy, right? And uh, but they could, they knew how to feed an army, you know. Absolutely, peasant, that's what they, yeah, that's yeah. how they grew up. And, they, and anyway, so a, after every gig, all the <laughs> other bands that we were playing with, or all the people that were there, would come over to the house, and it was a kind of a regular thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've heard stories, uh, and so uh, the Joneses. Uh, how how do we go from the Joneses to Mad Angel? Uh, let's see. Uh, Marty left us, and uh, Jamie Peace joined the band. So, uh, the, so the Jane, the Joneses existed for a couple of years with with uh, Jamie. Uh, then Jamie left. He wanted to, I, I can't remember what project, kind of, he wanted to get into some other project. Okay. And uh, Marty came back. Oh. And then and we changed the name of the band to DNZ. Right. The yeah, the DNZ. For a short while. Okay, yeah. And, uh, and during that time, we started, we, uh, we, we started introducing original material. Oh. And then, uh, and then Marty left us again, and uh, Donnie Thayer right. jumped on the on the bandwagon, and uh, and at that time we changed the name to Mad Angel, and we kind of went exclusively original music. Wow! Okay, so we had we had a lot of material, you know, in the closet. We weren't really playing right the Joneses, you know, because it was kind pretty much a cover band, right? And uh, and then when we switched to Mad Angel, we went all original. And then to put it in perspective, you know, in the sixties, I mean, we're talking early seventies now. Most of the bands started as cover bands. I yeah. mean, Beatles were doing covers. I mean, when they yeah. were playing Hamburg yeah. for four hours, they weren't playing all their hits yeah, yeah. or their future hits because they didn't have four hours of hits to play. The Stones' the early albums, a lot of covers yeah. on those. Yeah. Uh, and and so you you guys went to the next level. Because you've gra- you graduated to an original band, and people dug it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and exactly. and correct me if I'm wrong again. So much so that for a long time, Mad Angel was neck and neck in popularity with Aerosmith. Yet to break. I mean, you yeah. guys were in the yeah. same circles. You guys yeah. actually played together, yeah. and it was just a question of if or when who would break first, and. And what do you remember? Uh, and I and I would and obviously you guys must have been good friends with the Aerosmith guys back then. Yeah, or friendly. Yeah, good enough. Yeah, I mean, we, we actually uh, we ran, we co-ran these uh, dances out at the uh, Lakeview Barn in Menden, 
and we put them on ourselves. And I think we did like one a month. And one, and one, uh, one month it would be Aerosmith plus Mad Angel, and next month it would be Mad Angel plus Aerosmith. Right. Just kind of rotated like that. And that kind of went on for about a year. Wow. Yeah, and then we did a... We did a then at the end of that year, uh, they had signed with Columbia Records, right. I believe. And uh, we did a couple of shows at the skating rink in Worcester. I think it's gone now. It wasn't stopped. There was another. Okay. There was another skating rink, and uh, Aerosmith act and we, uh, we did two of those, I believe. And then and then we did a, then the last one was at a. Uh, West Rose Speedway. West Rose Speedway. Yeah, and at the West Rose, August yeah. 874, um, which was the biggest show you guys played in Aerosmith at the time, 15,000 people. Uh, what do you remember from that day? From that day? Yeah, not I mean, that must, been, that, that must have been a crazy, <laughs> not a lot. It was, it was well, all those all those gigs were pandemonium. You know, yeah. I mean, there's like five bands and equipment and, you know, right. and, and everybody's trying to keep track of this stuff. <laughs> you know, it was like... Uh, so I don't remember a whole lot, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, but how did it feel playing to that many people? A little scary. <laughs> yeah. But we, we were kind of used to it. We, we, were, yeah. we were kind of playing to some pretty big crowds, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I, your brother told me pretty much uh, in one story I did in the past, he said we were neck and neck with Aerosmith pretty much through that period, and then... You guys had the same status and To Dream On came out and became a big hit. Although it didn't become a big hit the first time around. It came, uh, this, if I recall, the second time when the, the... Because the first album didn't do well, if I recall. But that's... Yeah, I know. You, you'd know more. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's more technical. And uh, after the Westboro Speedway show, uh, several months later, Man Angel actually broke up. Correct. Yeah. And you and Jimmy... At least musically padded ways for a while. Why did Mad Angel break up? Uh, well, let's see, Robbie and I were kind of experimenting with funk and other oh. kinds of music, and uh, and there was some producers that you know liked this this uh, half of the band, and some that liked this half, and it, it was just causing bad vibes. Anyway, we we weren't. We didn't want to go in the same direction anymore. Okay, yeah, which is simply, you know, which is fine. I mean, yeah, and you got it's not like you had a falling out. It was this artistic difference. I don't want to say artistic differences. You guys had different visions. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, Jimmy, I mean, most humble and nicest person like yourself. I know it runs in your family. Never showed a trace of having a slightest bit of ego. Treated everybody with the same respect. Uh, like you ha always have, he he craved even even though that is true, he craved the rock and roll spotlight. But you, yeah. But you didn't seem to, or did you? Yeah, I wasn't really that. Yeah, much <laughs> he I just want you want to play study it. Okay. Yeah, I like to, yeah. And uh, and as we both know, Jimmy was a great guitar player, a great rock and roll singer, a great rock and roll songwriter, a great stage performer. Why do you feel your brother never hit the big time that he so desired to have? Uh, and I realize it's the luck of the draw, yeah. a roll of the dice. There's luck a lot of, of a lot of talented people. I mean, he definitely had the talent. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, and as uh, I had in the article that I ran this week, I mentioned how Aerosmith's bassist Tom Hamilton, son of Mad Angel, um, 
We used to love them. They were the best band around next to us. That's how we thought of it. We thought these guys are going all the way, and we were very surprised that didn't happen. Well, I, used, that's, I mean, we didn't, we didn't we didn't have the longevity. So, yeah, so, yeah. You know that, but uh, but as far as Jimmy's potential, you know, yeah, he could have he done it. Yeah, uh, he definitely had the he had the knack. He had the gift. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, who knows? And he certainly worked. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I mean, it was. but you know, styles were changing. Yeah, and the, and the stuff that he was doing was starting to. Oh, the rock that old. that hard rock type. Yeah, stuff. I mean, it's a, it's kind of it's not really a current style, right? You know, so it's a you know he, he they did it they do it great, but yeah. it's like you know it's not a, it's yeah. not a big thing today. You're not gonna right. You know, none of those hair hair metal bands are really yeah. making a lot. Of money, <laughs> you know? Now, um, Matt, after Man Angel, I mean, you went your own way, and then. Your brother, Pretty Poison, short-lived. Then came August, which was another big deal for yeah. Worcester. Yeah. Uh, and I heard a rumor from John Curtis, J.C., uh, August's old manager, there was talk of, and I don't know if you know this, there was talk of a possible 40th anniversary of August coming up in November. Uh I don't know. I'm not sure they would actually share that information okay. with me. Uh, oh, okay. I, w- I wasn't really. Okay. In yeah, that wasn't. August, yeah, you, you know, were one of the. F- I was just a spectator. Yeah, because uh, I guess August '78 was when they formed. Yeah. And yeah. it was talk of that, uh, yeah. but unfortunately, uh, yeah. uh, and uh, when August disbanded, of course, uh, Jimmy formed the power rock trio Cold Blue, which later re- was renamed Deep Six, yeah. which he was still playing with. Uh, yeah. Uh, the great Dave Balcom and the great Al Gallo. Uh, so that was actually the yeah. longest. And now when it comes to your your brother Jimmy, Joe, yeah. do you have a favorite band or period of his career? No. Not really. Okay. I, I, I mean, they I were think, all good. I think the one I'm most familiar with is Deep Six because I... Oh, okay, because you see him all the time. I, well, I have an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. They, they play at a place, you know, it's, it's accessible. They played at places that were accessible to Yeah. And, and also, my musical career has changed. I, I do a lot of, like, old guy gigs now, you know. Yeah. Like, they start at, like, 6 and I get out at 9. Oh. So I now I have the, I had the opportunity to go and hear Jimmy play. Because those oh. guys would always start at ten. Oh, okay. You know? So, yeah, so in, the, in, old, in older days, I was playing at the same right. Time, and those, okay, so yeah. the times when I've seen you there, you know, you're all yeah, nicely I'm dressed. Coming you're coming from you just came yeah, from the, yeah. the the nine o'clock. Uh, yeah. You just put the stuff in the thing, and uh, a lifetime in the making. The bands of Jimmy D'Angelo took place in the summer of 2012 at the Hanover Theater yeah. for the performing arts. And it looked like your brother Jimmy was having the time of his life. And I know we got a lot of great shots of you and Jimmy. How how, how was that night for Jimmy? It was great. It was great for all of us. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was really nice. And and when before that, because you played with your brother on the stage yep. Yep. Uh, as the Joneses and also uh, Matt Angel, yep. when was the last time you played with your brother live before that event? Was it since the breakup of the Man Angel? I think so. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so wow. Oh, my God. So how did it feel to play with your brother once again on stage? Great. It was was beautiful, (laughs) you know. Uh, Yeah. I mean, what a great tribute to your your brother. And I think it's something 
he greatly deserved. You know, playing Definitely. to a packed house in a beautiful theater. Yeah. Uh, and everybody was digging it. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad he, he got that. And um, I, I, I'll be, I'll be wrapping this up. Uh, but I, I know you two were very close, and I know Jimmy loved you very much, and lo- and you loved him very much. And I feel like he's looking down on us, especially this week. Any closing thoughts about your brother before? Uh, or anything you want to touch on your brother? I, I know he was a wonderful guy. Uh, I mean, how are you doing? This must be tough. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I'm not trying to make you cry. I uh, <clears throat> I just hope he you know wasn't in pain, and uh, you know I hope he wasn't scared. Uh, but like I I I, uh, I posted this earlier today, like it. He he went ahead to set up the equipment. <laughs> so we're gonna have a good jam deal someday in heaven. Yeah. And uh, when when was the last I time? I hope I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're a good Italian. You're going. There. <laughs> if not, we can pull some string. Yeah. Uh, when was uh, when was the last? And if this is too personal, we can cut it off yeah. at the end. And when was the last time you talked or saw Jimmy? Uh, we had a. a Mutual friend, uh, Jim, Jimmy worked for Cutler, real estate management. Oh, I didn't know that. I know he was working for Dave. Yeah, and too. I also worked for Cutler. Oh, okay. And my sister Vera also worked yeah. for Cutler. And my father also worked for Oh, Cutler. wow. So we have kind of a family connection to Cutler real estate. Yeah, management. okay. Anyway, a good friend of ours, Mike Richardson, passed away oh. about a month, three weeks or a month ago. Oh, I'm and sorry to hear that. And we, and we went to, to the wake and... Uh, I talked to Jimmy there. That was the last time I. And I, I mean, I mean, sad thing. I just had a funeral over the weekend of a friend, dear friend, forty-six years old, which and that was you know Saturday, and that you know the whole day crying and dealing with yeah. that, and, and and when I say dealing with, I I don't mean to sound like insensitive. Yeah. It's just a lot to handle. So you, it's been a tough uh, yeah. a month tough or so yeah. for you. And how was Jimmy? I mean, probably hard to judge because it was a sad time you saw him. Anyways, yeah. how how was he doing? Uh, well, he he was uh, actually his uh, his li- living circumstances, oh. which were kind of negative. I don't want to get yeah, into no, no, we was, don't want to get into that. But he he had kind of transcended, and he was uh, th- that, and he was on his way out of yeah. Uh, Dave was telling so me we he, a new yeah. chapter was yeah. Uh, we were hoping yeah like a, a new a, like a clean break, a yeah. cleansing. But he, new, didn't, he didn't really look good, you know. So and I don't and we don't really know to be honest with you. Yeah. So we're waiting. To, it was an unattended death. We're waiting for an oh, autopsy yeah. report. So we don't really know what the cause was, you know. And he very well may have been sick. And we didn't, we well, that didn't. seemed to be not to be talking about this too much, but that seemed to be Dave's assessment. Yeah, I mean, and I know Dave's told him, you know, if you're not better tomorrow, yeah. we're well, taking. Well, it. I mean, he he was uh, like, he was sick. Like we don't know if that was the flu or whatever. Yeah, I'm talking about there might have been something more oh, serious. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Wow. Well, God bless him. Great guy. He lives in us, and he will. His music lives, and I hope we hear more of his music. I, 
I hope someone hears this and say, gee, maybe I should look into this Jimmy D'Angelo and see if there's a box set worth of material. Yeah, yeah, I mean, last week, uh, actually Friday, I went to Boston to see a new movie that Ethan Hawke directed uh-huh. called um, Jim uh, Blaze about uh, a country singer that no one ever heard of. Uh-huh. And it was fabulous. And uh-huh. the guy was so talented. And yeah, who who's talented? And uh, this guy, well, the your guy, brother Jimmy, actor. but no, the this the, it's a real story about a uh, a country western singer, one of the like Texas outlaws, uh-huh. uh, Blaze. Uh, I'm forgetting the last name. Okay. Sorry about that. I didn't. Yeah. Ver- but it was a fascinating story about this guy. Warts and all. I mean, it was the guy wasn't perfect, but he does was such a creative mind and just wrote great songs. Uh-huh. And not that your brother had any demons. Uh, his biggest demon was probably living in Worcester, <laughs> which is a demon for a lot of people who live in Worcester, especially creative yeah. minds. But, uh, I mean, he was a major league talent. And, and I know the scene what your brother's been posting. We got a lot of stuff on Real to Real and stuff. So who knows what's going to happen. Any, is it too early to ask about the funeral arrangements? Or? Uh, well, we're, we're uh, waiting on his kids okay. to make the final decisions. Okay. We suspect. Midweek, next week. Next week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Joe? I uh, I appreciate this. I mean, I realize it's a tough time, and I think, gee, Jimmy must be really smiling down at us. I mean, he must have got a kick out of the front page story and the fact that you and I are talking about him. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And actually, this is the most I've ever heard you say. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, Joe, thank you. Thank you. God Jim, bless you. Miss you. Jimmy, God bless you. We miss you. We're going to always love you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.